This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I think what we've learned so far in our trips to LA is that Jack and I are not Angelinos. And I don't think we could ever be Angelinos. No, I could not. I could not be a LA native. No, 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 no. I could not. I, I think I can only spend maybe out like five days here. I think I think that five days is my max. Say, I don't even know what it is. I think it's just like a combination of the- I know exactly what it is for you. Oh. <laughs> the traffic i think traffic would kill jack on a daily basis because <laughs> oh my god i had the um, worst day of my life yet no, i want to say that i was dramatic i want to say the worst day of my life yesterday because yesterday was a great day but like i had a rough fucking day yesterday well we were at a very emotional conference but we will get back in on that jack has been on the struggle bus with car sickness yeah, like I have been having this motion sickness since I flew into LA. We hit all this turbulence and I was so motion sick on this plane. Thank God they have the puke bags. And I literally grabbed the puke bag and was just like holding on to dear life. And I was like, do not puke on this plane. Do not puke on this plane. Do not puke on this plane. And then we left this conference. And because it's LA, we had to take an hour Uber to get to dinner. But, that, an but hour our away. app wasn't even working. Yeah. There's no Ubers. It took us 30 minutes just to even like get an Uber. And my motion sickness like kicked in into full gear the second we got into that Uber. I felt so bad. Like I couldn't even. Oh, my God. First, you start asking me to Google if yeah. there's anything that you can do, like yeah. pressure points. Yeah, I was like, tell me what to do because I also can't look at my phone. That that makes it so much worse when you have motion sickness and you like stare at a screen. It makes it so much worse. So I was like, Danielle, like you need to Google this. Like, how do I get rid of this right now? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to puke in this car. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I thought we I was getting better. Like, we're off the highway finally. And you're like, okay. And then you chance to look at your phone. And yeah, I was looking at the time. Within, I think like 30 seconds of that. 30 seconds. I look back over. Jack has the window all the way down on this minivan that we are in. <laughs> and she has half her body no joke my entire torso was hanging out of the car outside of the minivan i was straight up puking out like out of this moving car we did not the car was not stopping for me also i was on the driver's side i was sitting right behind the driver so i had like made eye contact with him from like outside of his car puking and I was like I'm so sorry like it's the motion sickness I swear I'm not I don't think he I don't think he understood he had no idea what was going on this poor man but we're just like car sick car sick and he just like keeps on going yeah he actually didn't say anything like he wasn't like are you okay do you want me to pull over he just kept on driving which I appreciated because I knew if we stopped like it just wasn't gonna help I was like we just need to get to this destination and I need to get out of this car I literally just felt so bad for you but it was like the, not the, one of the, the prouder image, moments of my life. No. The image of your 
just looking over and all I see is your ass because that's the, literally the only thing left <laughs> inside well, the minivan. Because okay. I also didn't want to ruin your Uber rating because Thank the you. biggest that's way to do friend. that is like that's to like puke in someone's Uber is to ruin your Uber rating. So Danielle ordered the Uber. So I was like, I cannot ruin Danielle's Uber rating. So I was like, I also just do not want to puke in this guy's car. Like that's just going to. Well, no, that is that's, not going to be worst. good. For this. So I was determined. I was like on the edge of falling out of this window and just puking out of this moving car and I couldn't stop thinking about one what the driver was thinking but two this car behind us I'm like (laughs) this car behind us we're in traffic yeah in traffic watching this minivan in front of them with a girl just straight up like half outside this window like my half of my body just puking <laughs> like I probably made their day you're probably on someone's tiktok so I really hope I'm not on tiktok you're probably like seen in LA they probably think I was like wasted it's like no we were at a conference a very professional medical conference all day and um, I didn't have a lick of alcohol okay maybe I had too much coffee but I just was so motion sick it was terrible you well okay fair, well we well, both had emo- we had both had um embarrassing moments yeah I was gonna say like don't even come at me because like you could have had a very embarrassing moment yesterday too yeah I bled through my pants <laughs> I thought I mean thank you for my super plus tampon I thought I was safe enough to make the choice of I mean it was a bold choice to wear white pants yeah I bled I bled through them but luckily it was in a spot that like you know you couldn't you couldn't see you were also wearing a long jacket so like you couldn't really see and like I kept on like just straight up getting almost like crouching down and looking at your crotch just like (laughs) to make sure (laughs) oh my god and then we had to do those interviews too and I'm like make sure you cross your leg and make sure you sit to the side so that you cannot see (laughs) if anyone knew like I feel like we had everybody at that conference fooled like you were bleeding out of your pants I was about to go puke my way home and we just had everyone fooled we got so many compliments about our outfits yes which was like honestly I don't want to say it was the highlight for me but you know how much validation I get when people Mm -hmm. compliment my outfits Mm -hmm. so we got a lot of outfit compliments which I appreciated I did too I did too I loved it yeah we also like coordinated very well we were both wearing trousers and like matching blazers and like our color scheme Mm -hmm. like it looked like we had planned but we didn't but we didn't we've just kind of had a little bit of like a rocky (laughs) it's just been like a trip like we've only been in LA for like not even 48 hours at this point maybe like 36 so Danielle checked into the hotel before me because my flight was delayed and I got in at like one in the morning like 12 31 in the morning and at the hotel we're staying at we only have one key and they're like oh and I go, oh, my girlfriend's already in the room. Like, I think she has the key. Can I get like a spare key to go in the room? And she was like, oh my God, you're a girlfriend. Like, that sounds great. And I was like, oh. And like, I remember thinking in my head, like almost stopping her and being like, oh, no, no, no. Like, not my girlfriend. But then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go with it. I'm like, yeah, my girlfriend. My girlfriend's in the room. <laughs> and then we, I saw her that morning and I was with you. And I was like, yeah, this is my hot girlfriend. Like, and she's so pretty. Like, look at me. <laughs> So we got everybody fooled this weekend. <laughs> because also you don't want to sit there and be like, it's not a bad thing. Right. Like, I, I didn't want her to think like I have something that I would, would be, be like offended that she thought I was a lesbian. I honestly took right. it as a compliment. I was like, oh, cool. I was like, I feel much cooler now. Like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend's coming. She's really pretty. To be fair, we also had a moment at this conference where one of the speakers mm. Jack and I and our friend Lily and I think honestly, like every woman around us was, you know, crushing, crushing, hard. crushing hard. 
Yeah, crushing hard. So, you know, to catch everybody up, if you haven't picked up on it yet, Danielle and I are actually recording live still from LA. We're in LA this weekend. We flew in a few days ago for the End Well Conference. You know, I hope you've listened to some of our past episodes with Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter. She is the host of TED Health Podcasts. She has been interviewed on CNN, MSNBC as a medical expert, and she is the founder and director of Endwell, a nonprofit that hopes to normalize and destigmatize the conversations around death and dying. And so we've had Shoshana on twice in like the last year, I'd say, yeah. on the podcast. She's yeah. become a good friend. And we flew to LA, one, to just support this amazing organization and to support a good friend. But two, just to, you know, learn more about the field, to hear from thought leaders and experts in palliative care and hospice. And so the conference was yesterday. It was a full day. Which we were a little nervous about because, I mean, the conferences end well. It's on death and dying and yeah. like sharing stories. And we walked to our seats and there was Kleenex sitting on everybody's chair. And Which like, I did not pick up on. I thought the Kleenex was because you could still hear. I'm still struggling with this cold. Like, I don't know what is happening. But I literally thought the Kleenex was there because like everyone's sick. And like, they were just like, oh, this is for everyone that's getting sick right now. But then like after the first speaker, I was like, oh, no, this is not what the Kleenex is for. No. So no. like, I think we were, um, at least I was prepared for like a very heavy emotional I was not, day. I don't know what I was expecting. I was not. I was, I don't know, didn't know what to expect, but yeah. But I think what... Shoshana's superpower is, is creating these conversations around death and dying and the anxiety of it, but creating a safe place to talk about it without it being scary, without it initiating like feelings of fear yeah. and normalizing these conversations, which, yeah. you know, we were discussing this, like how many classes or how many lectures mm -hmm and conversations are med students taught or like having around how to have these conversations with family members with their patients and you were also saying that like in nursing school in the curriculum there's what like maybe like an hour like one lecture one lecture in on one it. class in one of the semesters yeah i think like what stands out to me the most about this topic i'm pretty sure we touched on this with our first episode with shoshana is that they did a survey and they found that 70 percent of physicians of doctors would choose to not pursue end-of-life treatment like in the terms of let me aggressive clarify aggressive resuscitation, resuscitation. I think there was like a, it was a very in-depth survey. So I know that they asked, I'm sure about like being intubated, being put on a ventilator, having like extensive, aggressive life extending measures. 75% of providers, physicians would not want this for themselves. And it's because, you know, if you've worked in healthcare and you've seen the quality of life and seen what happens to patients when they're put on these machines for months, no, like, you know, of course, like you're not going to want that for yourself. But in reality, the statistics are flipped, where that 75% of what doctors would want, in reality, 70% of patients do not get that. 70% of patients get the opposite. They do get the very aggressive, life-extending treatments and procedures and machines to extend life without really having these conversations about quality. And 
that just really stood out to me of like just this overarching theme of there's just such a lack of education. There are layers of societal stigmatization where we don't talk about death and dying. We don't want to talk about it for ourselves or for our loved ones. And then that layer of it within medicine itself that like even in medicine, we don't talk about it and we don't push these conversations. I think like a big thing for me, and I don't think this was brought up as much in the conference, but it was very much a theme of my career in the NICU was just because we can doesn't mean we should. Just because we can do all these like super aggressive, life-saving maneuvers doesn't always mean that we should, doesn't always mean that that's like in the best interest of our patients in the best interest of their quality of life. And I think that's another really interesting conversation in medicine is quality versus quantity. Okay, now I need a second because that was really good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Should we cheers to that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. As I have my spritz here. Cheers. You hear that? One more. There we go. This I, is also the first podcast that Jack and I are drinking. <laughs> I know. Which is honestly shocking. But yes, we are cozied up in our hotel room having a nice little spritz. You know, this is why I was actually so happy to go to this conference with you because you have such a unique perspective on this topic. This is like Mm -hmm. a topic that honestly, I'm really fortunate in my personal life and in my professional life. I have not had to see a lot of this. I've primarily worked in public health or worked in med surge, like more step down units where patients were not critical. So I can count on my hands how many times I've had patients pass on me. So I was so excited to go to this with you because you were in the NICU for over a decade. Yeah. So what other pieces resonated with you from the conference and like your personal experience of being in the NICU? Honestly, they had a, and this is where I wish we still had our books. We had these really great pamphlets and we had been taking notes this entire time. And Jack and I both forgot both of our notebooks because we were so hungry and just wanted to get to dinner. But there was a PEDS nurse, PEDS ICU nurse, and I resonated so much with her, but was also so triggered by her. Oh, Um, interesting. Yeah. What parts? The stories that she was telling about, you know, some of the patients that she's lost and I think just kind of seeing in her myself mm. and what made me have to leave the bedside, but yet she was still working at the bedside. Her ability to incorporate all aspects of nursing into her life was, I don't think I wanted that. And I think that's mm. part of why I left the bedside. I don't know if I could do that because I don't know. I just really admired her strength and that like she's still able to see it all and work at the bedside. But for me, hearing her stories, it was like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And I used to pride myself on it, right? Like, and I've talked about this on the pod. I really used to pride myself on my ability to create a really beautiful dying experience with like a calm experience with families, you know, especially if it was in like a controlled, we knew we were going to be withdrawing care taking time to make sure all the family that wanted to say goodbye to like meet the child um, could be there that uh, 
the photographers from like now I lay me down to sleep could be there to get these like last like beautiful professional family photos taken oh my god like you're breaking my heart I, I don't even know how you did this like, I don't know at how all I did it to be either. honest like I really don't know how anyone she, does this she seems like a completely different human yeah but yet I know it's part of me I know I'm capable of it where I was at one point but like I just couldn't do it anymore did you like do you remember the point where you like was there an actual moment where you knew you couldn't do it anymore like there was like yeah. a case or a patient yeah I was charged it was like my third night in a row. And I mean, most of y'all know, like working as charge, like everyone's your patient. Like you're not going to leave your staff to do bereavement care all alone if you can help it. And I think it was like the second or possibly third patient that week that we had lost. And, you know, sometimes it just, it runs like that. And they were withdrawing care on another patient and it just like smacked me. I was like, I fucking can't do it. I can't. Like, I can't be in that room. I can't see it. And I cannot walk down to the morgue and leave a child in a freezer. I just can't do it. I can't do it anymore. Oh, my God. And that was when I knew I I couldn't be the nurse anymore that, like, I wanted to be. And I don't know if that's – it almost feels like there's a level of toxicity Mm, in that. Like, not of, of, like, our own, like – personal nursing toxicity of just constantly thinking that we can take on the worst and we can carry this weight. We can carry all the emotions of it. We can see it over and over again because we've been made to believe that we are these like superheroes, right? And I almost felt like a failure to myself in that moment because I just was like, no, like I physically can't do it anymore. I've been so drained by like other things happening in my mm-hmm. life. I couldn't even comprehend opening myself up to carry any empathy yeah. for those parents. Yeah, it was interesting hearing from a few different speakers that were in hospice or in PICU settings. It's just, it, it really, I don't want to say it takes a special type of person because yes, it does take a special type of person, but it also takes, I think, a lot of coping mechanisms <laughs> And a healthcare system that actually yeah. supports you. Yeah. Did anyone else stand out to you or like any other messages from the day really oh resonate? There were so many. I know. That there were, were like truly. way more positive. I really, I loved Nurse Hadley. Yeah. I really would love to get her on. Mm-hmm. She is a hospice nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an author. And her honesty about like how she would have approached something. Mm-hmm based off of more like book knowledge as opposed to actually sitting with patients. I mean, like that takes a lot of guts Yeah, to say some of the things that she said. Yeah, I agree. But I think she is just a fantastic human and I would really love to have her on the pod. And I think it would be a really beautiful conversation around like hospice care yeah. to have her on. Have we had someone to talk about just like specifically about hospice no, care and nursing? I don't think we have. That's so interesting because it is such a niche and but I always find that like my like hospice people are just hospice people. Like they yeah. remind me of like my like the L&D midwives, like that like certain specialties like I mean NICU and PICU stuff too for sure. But I definitely think with hospice nurses it is a different kind of breed of of nurses. Yeah, but her whole message was like when am I going to find my next moment of joy? Oh, I loved that. Yeah, I loved that. And they would just come, but like you have to be able to see them. Mm-hmm. And so like her message is really beautiful. 
And then Anthony Back is a doctor who was the only physician to publish a first-person account of his experience with psychedelics. Wow. And so he started running these like clinical trials on psilocybin-assisted therapy for clinicians suffering from burnout. And so now he's working on a new trial for psilocybin-assisted therapy for people with metastatic cancer. And the research is just like really cool. It's obviously ongoing right now, but they're seeing such a, a like a decrease in death anxiety, but also in like after people have undergone these treatments, like more of a connectedness to a source of energy that we're all very much connected to. Absolutely. And I know that might sound kind of woo-woo-y, but I think, you know, it's something that I've always been really interested in doing and doing that with like a guided, like with like a therapist to, you know, process a lot. I think it's fascinating. It just makes me think about like untapped brain potential. It makes me think about the interconnectedness between everyone. And I think it's just funny that like, you know, we all have friends that do shrooms. Like... <laughs> I've microdosed before and, you know, I'm fine to say that, but I think there's a lot more that connects us. And I think once we let, you know, our guards down a bit, yeah. that we might be a little bit more open to seeing and feeling that. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but his talk was really, really fascinating to me. I agree. I mean, it was a heavy day, though. It was a lot. I think for me, like, I wasn't really emotionally prepared for how many, for kind of what we were getting into for the entire day, to be totally honest. Like, there were so many just incredibly devastating stories that were shared around death and, and dying that are, are so necessary to share. That was a very common theme in a lot of mm -hmm. these talks was the aspect of how crucial storytelling is mm -hmm. to normalize these conversations like it's storytelling is one of the best ways to really get people aware of how important these conversations are to have around death and dying I think one the stories we heard a lot of stories really like hit me at a emotional level and I think it kind of made me realize like some things that I probably need to work through personally yeah. around that topic I think it's easy to think about like with patients and like, you know, talking about your patients. If it's another thing to start thinking about how that affects you on a personal level with like mm -hmm. your family and your loved ones and like starting to look at the reality that your parents are going to die and that your mm -hmm. siblings are that everyone is going to die. Like I think it was like, I a, mean, it's a fact like, we, yeah, we have a we have a limited time on Earth. Yeah. And again, like the way that the stories were shared and the messages, everyone that spoke had such a incredible way of sharing that ended the conversation with you feeling light and mm -hmm. hope mm -hmm. and that death can be beautiful. The death doulas. Yeah, the death doulas. But yeah, I think personally, like outside of medical, it kind of left a lot of uneasy feelings with me about like, this is not something I like to think about. This is it's really hard thing to like, there's a reason I think why these conversations are hard to have. It's because nobody wants to think about their mortality, their mortality and mm -hmm. their the love, the mortality of their loved ones. Like that's really, it's really hard thing to face. So 
<sighs> yeah. And it's a wonder because it's inevitable, though, yeah. too. Yeah. No, absolutely. And what was shared, you know, were, were, the, were the stories about how beautiful deaths can be so healing mm-hmm. for those and for the person and for the loved ones. And it's just it was really a lot to take in. I think by the end of it, I just was a little like on my emotional end point. Like I just was like, I, I don't think I can. I just need to laugh. I was like, I just, right. I think I need to right. I need to do something silly. Like, which um, I think is why the conference is only a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also like, to be honest, I've always known that that kind of stuff, it's really hard for me. Like I always mm-hmm. knew that I could never be an ICU nurse. I could never be a hospice nurse. Mm-hmm. I could never be a, I can't do that. That topic like really freaks me out. You totally don't have to answer. Well, A, you've had a ton in your life. Like you've had to like literally face the mortality of your mom as a young oh, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I know you're so close with your with your grandma, but like has she said anything about like her wishes? Like has is this a conversation that she's had with you? Yeah. And actually I'm glad that you brought this up because if anything, actually culturally it is different. Because I come from like a very strong Italian family where Mm -hmm. we all take care of my 95 year old grandmother and she talks about death every day. It's like really, yeah, it is a very common thing. In what way? In what way? Like in funny ways. Like she'll just say, Well, guess I'm still here today. Like she makes jokes about it. (laughs) Like she's like, She's like, Well, guess it's not my day. Or she'll always say, Like when my my boyfriend comes over without fail, Oh, when's the wedding? Um, because you got to do it before I die. And who knows when that's going to be. It's probably going to be pretty soon. So like, let's get this thing going. And so like, no we, pressure, Richie. <laughs> no, I know. Right? No, literally. And every time we laugh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. But she she does. Or even Nicole, my twin sister's pregnant. She says, this baby better come before I die. Like she talks about it every day. And I joke back with her. I think it, I mean, mean to say that the conversations around death are so complex because on one end I can joke about it with my 95 year old grandmother but on the other hand like facing the reality of like the fact that like you know yeah my mom had a breast cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. I am so close with my father like the idea that my dad will not be with me on this earth one day I can't is something that I cannot I I can't even say that sentence Mm -hmm. like it makes me quiver just even just I can't even think about it which I, I know is honestly that. part of the problem, but I'm just being so <laughs> honest here. Like I yeah. just, it is really hard for me. And I think that that's, you know, a good thing. It's it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like another common theme that you grieve because you love, right? I love that And quote. that's what it comes down to. It's like, I wouldn't fear this idea of, of mortality with my loved ones if I didn't have so much love for what they bring to me on this, mm-hmm. uh, in this lifetime on this earth. So yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, I think that that's that's normal. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think these conversations come easy to anyone. No, I don't think they do. But echoing what you were saying about how, you know, yes, these were such heavy conversations, but they left with lightness. Mm -hmm. And even there was an executive producer, uh, J.J. Duncan, that spoke um, and shared the story of losing her son to cancer. And even that, like in her story, she talked about how she was reading this post from another mom who had lost her son, who had shared that story. And like her advice in that helped bring so much peace and comfort to her own son. So like the importance of like sharing your experience 
really helped bring more peace. Yeah. And I think that's part of what is so important about continuing these conversations around death and dying Mm. because your story, and I've told you this, Mm -hmm. I had a moment after Nick died that I was like so ready not ready, but I was just so fucking tired of feeling like complete dog shit mm-hmm. and sad every day that like I woke up one day and like I was looking at myself in the mirror and I heard this voice that said like your story is going to help people mm-hmm. like you are going to do good. Yeah. And I have shared my story on The Bachelor. I have mm-hmm. shared it like in a couple of other interviews. And if anything, it makes people feel less alone. Mm-hmm. But it brings peace as well, knowing that you're not alone. And with um, JJ Duncan, like it helped her to pass on more peace to her own son. Yeah. And we were talking about this on the way home too. Amanda Klutz had a chat with the host, Yvette Brown of the NML Project. And just hearing her talk about how when she's like riding around in the car, like she still reaches her hand over and can feel her late husband holding her hand. And like, they have conversations in the car. I do that all the time. So like hearing that from her was just the validation Mm. for me as well. That like, Hey, I'm not crazy. And I'm not the only person that, you know, (laughs) can feel that, you know, from time to time. As scary as conversations around death and dying are, I think there's so much beauty to it mm-hmm. and there's so much good that can come of it. I think that's really what Shoshana was trying to create and I'm just endlessly proud of her. Yeah. And we met a lot of really cool people yesterday too. We did. There was a, a, a mix of people in the audience. A lot of healthcare workers that were in hospice or palliative care. Also a lot of entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. are starting businesses in the grief space, like we met someone that's starting like an app or a program, like kind of to develop for people going through grief, mm-hmm. um, for and healthcare like, workers going through grief, getting um, resources for people in yeah. hospice care. A lot of like healers, like Reiki healers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a lot of different modalities all in one room, which was very cool. Yeah. And Danielle and I were very social, which is not, you'd be surprised because Danielle and I have a podcast. We love to have deep conversations, but we can both be a little. We can extend too much energy and not put like, but we also know our boundaries. When we have hit our like emotional capacity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. certain subjects that like we know we need to stop those. Yeah. You know what is interesting? Maybe I think the podcast is so nice because we have really deep conversations so sometimes mingling can be a little difficult mm-hmm. where I'm just like, okay, let's cut to the chase. Like, let's get to the real stuff. Yeah. So, but I will say, I think maybe that's why it was so easy yesterday is because we were in a room of people that were like, so what do you like? Not just like, what do you do? <laughs> what's your trauma? But like, what's your, yeah, literally <laughs> like, how are you trying to help people grieving? <laughs> so we were definitely surrounded, I think, by our people there, which was really cool. Yeah. It was also really nice to see a lot of just friendly faces. We saw some uh, figs ambassadors that we mm-hmm. know. You know, we saw other guests that we've had on the podcast. Yes. Abby from Impact. We saw Lily. One of my favorite episodes literally that we've ever recorded was with Lily. Leilani Graham, one of mm-hmm. Danny and I's first oh, yeah. Walmart guests 
who was like legally <laughs> declared dead at one point. <laughs> like, um, she's wild and she's doing so much work in this space as well and like research and, you know, her time spent in the hospital really made her want to like do good and help, yeah. you know, I think what we all want to leave healthcare in a better place than when we found it. Wow. So what are your closing thoughts, emotions, feelings? <laughs> Loki now, I'm kind of sad that I had more empathy for you hanging out of the car instead of taking <laughs> video i know that would have been really good blackmail to have (laughs) that was like a highlight yeah that was well i did even say right after like right after we got out of the car i was fine because the motion stopped i was like you know what this we'll laugh about this like i want to die right now but we'll laugh about this later (laughs) but no i think we balanced yesterday out really well because we knew we were gonna have a really heavy day but then we had dinner planned with some of my natural friends and i said this a bunch last night but it was just so God, after like the last almost five, oh God, close to like six months now of, you know, processing this breakup and being in a place that doesn't feel like home, processing Mm -hmm. what home actually feels like. And I feel like I've always kind of, after losing Nick, like the four walls and a roof, like didn't feel Mm -hmm. like home anymore. And I had to like leave Wisconsin for a while. And that's why I moved to Nashville, a big chunk of it. But that's also where I learned that I could find home in other people. And like a lot of like my Nashville friends became my family and became my home in that. And mm-hmm. so we were able to see, I mean, like I got to spend some time with Wells and Sarah last night and my friend Dan and his wife, Beth. And if you aren't listening to Daniel Ellsworth and the Great Lakes, you should. And Dan also has his own <laughs> upcoming like solo stuff coming out too, which is phenomenal. So go listen to that plug for my friends. But no, I, th- I think we planned it out really well to go and have like a fun dinner. It was really fun to watch you be surrounded by your Nashville friends because you guys were just like going down memory lane, talking about all of your favorite music <laughs> venues and, <laughs> and restaurants but this and place bars. closed. But do you remember we used to play pool at this place and then our favorite band was, you know, always playing shows at this place. And it was just really wonderful to see Danielle like you were just Mm. really you last night and it's so fun to see that side of you come out when you're around old friends like yeah friends that have known you for a long time like they've seen you through your ups and downs Mm -hmm. they've seen you succeed they've seen you get your heart broken and to just be there for you in this you know still kind of emotional time for you was just really cool to witness and your friends you, were all honey. so welcoming. Like they made me feel like one of the gang right away. Well, and you are. <laughs> it was just, it was really, it was such a beautiful night. And like, exactly like you said, I think the perfect balance after a happy day to just like have a nice glass of wine, some pasta and just laugh and yes. just like shoot the crap and joke. And <laughs> it was really fun. It was a blast. It was such a good day. Well, Jack, should we go? <laughs> we actually... <laughs> Danielle and I are trash we accidentally, <laughs> um I ordered, I was like, wouldn't it be fun? Like, Jack and I really don't drink very much, but I was like, wouldn't no. it be fun if we recorded, drank like some Aperol spritzes this afternoon? And the hotel that we're staying at has their own spritz. And then we're like, mm, but we really wanted an Aperol one. And now we have two beverages. Which is like, my max is usually two per <laughs> night. And it is 
it is almost 4 p.m. and I just finished my first. So look out, everybody. We have we have that problem. Danny, number two. Jack, take LA. <laughs> look out. We are the biggest like like yeah, like Danny said, we don't really we don't really drink much. So you and I are like the biggest lightweights ever. Like even yeah. at dinner last night, like after half a glass of wine, I was like giggly. <laughs> and I was like, okay, reel it in. Like, homie, you were just puking out of a car. Like maybe like eat some bread and like take a few deep breaths before you start pounding wine. <laughs> But it was fun. It was so fun. Oh, my God. Well, I want to make sure that we leave our listeners with where they can learn more about Endwell. So be sure to follow Endwell along on Instagram. They're just at Endwell. Mm -hmm. I believe through there you can get linked to their website. And they post a lot of these videos from these conversations that they have with mm-hmm. the thought leaders and just innovators in the space. So be sure to check out their social media and their website to learn more. Giving Tuesday is also coming up. This episode will come out on Black Friday. So in plenty of time for you guys to be aware that for Giving Tuesday, maybe think about giving to a alternative space like the Endwell Project who are doing incredible work for caregivers and really trying to spread this conversation and more resources to the hospice community and just knowledge and conversations around death and dying, which honestly is really important. We hope that you loved these last two episodes with Danny and I, we are excited to bring on some really awesome guests in the next that few we found weeks. at the conference that I promise won't be all like death and dying and like. <laughs> so stay tuned because we are going to have some really incredible guests coming up, but we also plan to share just some support as we kind of head into this hectic holiday season. So be sure to stay tuned for new episodes every Friday. We love you for all of your support. You know where to find us on Instagram, uh, through our website. And on that note, we will catch you next week. So, WOMED out. 